folks, and welcome to The Farm, a podcast dedicated to culture, parapolitics, and high weirdness in all its many forms. This is your host, Recluse, a.k.a. Stephen Snyder, the longtime curator of the Visa blog and author of a special relationship, Trump, Epstein, and the Secret History of the Anglo-American Establishment. If you like what you hear here today, be sure to check me out at visitview.blogspot.com. That's V-I-S-U-P-V-I-E-W, all one word, .blogspot.com. And procure a copy of that book and my other works at The Farm's official store, which is at thefarmpodcast.store. That is thefarmpodcast.store. And please consider signing up for The Farm's Patreon. You get two additional full-length shows per month at the lowest tier. That's between three and four hours of bonus material with exclusive guests and content for the all-access page. Patrons, you get information on my exclusive ongoing investigations, my State of the Union addresses, dispatches from all the places I'm going to, and a bunch of other goodies. There's all kinds of incredible content for you guys there. <clears throat> all right, kids, I could not be more excited for today's show. You guys know I love covering alternate reality games, more commonly known as ARGs. Today, we are going to explore one of the most mysterious of them all, one that has proven to be remarkably prophetic, which is hardly surprising given the pedigree behind it. While little acknowledged, this campaign was one of the first to harness the full potential of social media to build mass movements and so forth. It's possible some of these techniques were later used in things like the Arab Springs. It also unfolded during the pivotal period during 2008 in the aftermath of the Wall Street financial crisis and the run-up to the 2012 non-event. A lot of ARGs would subsequently weigh in heavily on the Zykus, most notably Cicada 3301 and the Game 23 emerging during this time. But those two ARGs, but the one ARG up for consideration today, this is my Milwaukee, had already been largely forgotten by then, even though those uh, latter two ARGs were surely inspired and partly based upon it. We'll explore all this and more, and trust me guys, I've got some big reveals at the end of this one. You are going to be shocked. And on that note, let us start the show. Let's start out uh, by going over the two uh, people behind this collective project uh, and the company that they uh, had set up for it. I think it's called Sendine or something like that. The two main figures behind this outfit uh, were Jacob Bakula and Thomas Bender. 
Now, these guys apparently have known one another going all the way back to high school in Pittsburgh. Later, Bikia ended up at the University of Southern California, where he studied journalism. Elsewhere, Bender attended Princeton and majored in physics. Bikia eventually became the creative director at BuzzFeed. Okay. These two began collaborating together formally in 2008 when they released the documentary Hoopenstan about a Wiccan school in Illinois. Needless to say, this was only the beginning. So, on November 21st, 2008, as the subprime mortgage crisis set in, a strange video appeared online entitled, This is My Milwaukee. It marked the beginning of what is easily one of the strangest and arguably most influential ARGs yet released. Initially, it ran from that November date and concluded on January 17th, 2009, with a strange meeting in Central Park. Yeah, that's New York City, which plays a crucial role in this thing throughout. Twitter, along with Facebook groups, were used heavily during the roughly two months the game was active. While this is pretty standard for ARGs nowadays, using Twitter for such purposes in 2008 was actually still pretty novel. And a series of in-game characters acquired their own um, Facebook and Twitter accounts to drop clues for the participants. Again, you know, this is 2008. I mean, this is pretty standard now, but not necessarily back then. Okay, so, but before that, an old-fashioned dead drop was used to get things going. It was located in the New York Public Library in the Rose Red Reading Room and involved a book with a curious call number. It included the numbers 3 and 23. As I'm sure many of you are aware, 3 is highly significant in Freemasonry and the occult and all kinds of other things. I don't think I really need to uh, belabor this point for people listening to this podcast. 23 is a big Discordian number par excellence. It's also interesting in light of the uh, January 17th date that the game ended on that uh, fulfills the uh, phenomenon of 17 and 23, which is really big in the Illuminatus trilogy. I point this out because Discordianism uh, and its influence behind a lot of these args is usually glossed over, but uh, a lot of references to that throughout. Uh, This is my Milwaukee. Anyway, so the dead drop produced a number and an email. This led the players to sign up for a mailing list that theoretically was run by an outfit called the Milwaukee Tourism Commission, which we shall return to in a bit. The dead draw played out towards the end of November. On December 2nd, arguably the most interesting thing related to the game dropped. It was called Milwaukee, a reasonable haven information booklet. Looking more like a grimoire than an information booklet, uh, players received scans from select pages from the document. Supposedly, there were 63 pages, but only 14 pages were scanned, along with the front and back cover and the index. Also, the strange title page is quite revealing. All right, so among the things it shows is that the game uses a different timeline. Basically, history stopped in 2007 and started again afterwards. All dates prior to 2007 are referred to as DOR for reasons that are never fully known. Regardless, all pre-2007 dates referenced are quite interesting. The first is DOR 300, which is a reference to Voltaire's birth. The guide, it is claimed he is activated, which is interesting in light of some of the latter stuff that we'll get into. 
Voltaire was also born on November 21st and is hugely crucial to the ideology of the game. In fact, 21 is another number that appears throughout. To further elaborate on Voltaire's importance, here are a few points. Like a lot of liberals in the 18th century, Voltaire had high hopes for the regime of Frederick the Great, one awash in occultism and bureaucratic reforms. Rosicrucianism, kind of protoform of discordianism, in particular, has a long history of the monarchs of Prussia, and Fred the Great was no different. As to the economic aspects, Fred the Great was especially keen on a concept known as Carmeloism. This was a kind of early state capitalism that advocated a strong, large bureaucracy that planned the economy through numerous statistical and data analysis. It was an early concept of centralized data collection, in other words. And this will be especially relevant, and this is my Milwaukee's follow-up, but also in this game as well. Okay. But anyway, Voltaire's support of quote-unquote enlightened absolutism another very relevant concept, is only part of the story and one he would later waver from. The other is his influence on chaos-centric fringe movements like Dadaism. Dada was in turn heavily influential on what became Discordianism. Voltaire can be seen as a bit of a, a great-grandfather in this sense. Interestingly, we are assured, and this is my Milwaukee video, that Voltaire would feel right at home in Milwaukee but I digress. The next data from mention is the U.S. Declaration of Independence. This is one of two major geopolitical events that the dates make reference to. The other is the fall of the Berlin Wall in 1989. I suspect these dates were chosen because of the broader geopolitical implications they played. The U.S. Revolution essentially touched off a series of democratic revolutions across Europe and beyond and gave rise to the modern world. And the fall of the Berlin Mall was supposed to mark the end of history. At a minimum, it marked the onset of the globalist era. Okay. The two other dates referenced uh, here pertain to music. The more recent one was the release of Miles Davis' The Birth of the Cool album. Davis was one of the greatest musicians of the 20th century, and this album was crucial in developing cool jazz, which seems to be what a lot of people in Milwaukee are into in the uh, video. This style was also big in NYC and San Francisco, two, two cities that featured dead drops, uh, and also relevant to a company we'll get to here in a bit. But I'm not sure if there's more significance than that or not. There are references, like I said, to the cool jazz scene in Milwaukee and so on and so forth. Um, and then, of course, Miles Davis did have a lot of uh, interesting kind of occultic stuff in some of his albums. There's a lot of references to Voodoo and so forth and Possession, which is interesting. Some of the context that we'll get to here later. The other musician reference in this process is uh, even more curious. That would be Claude Debussy. May be the most intriguing and revealing reference here. While Debussy is primarily remembered for his creation of the Impressionist movement, a term which he loathed in his support of the Symbolist movement, he was also heavily steeped in occultism. In point of fact, he was a leading figure in the infamous of Paris occult scene of the late 19th century. This was another major hub of Lachacrucianism and various Librium. Renée's Le Chateau, the Prior of Sion, all of this comes from here along with the world's first modern satanic panic. So it's really interesting that Debussy's connection to this scene is uh, that he's referenced here. 
I think his uh, connection to this scene is crucial to understanding some of the stuff with this is my Milwaukee. Another aspect is his influence on jazz. Indeed, cold jazz movement has been linked to Debussy's influence. Debussy was one of the only classical composers to incorporate elements of ragtime, a kind of proto-form of jazz, along with African rhythms into his compositions towards the end of his life. Miles Davis would later take inspiration from Debussy in his playing style as well. Both were big believers in the space between the notes, which might be... Uh, Another big reveal here. Besides the names, there are also images on the pages in which this is my Milwaukee dubs dark dollars. Despite the status as currency, the dark dollars come off more like Rorschach cards or even tarot cards. Different combinations are used for symbolic purposes throughout the game. There are other symbols sprinkled throughout the haven that seem to reference the occult as well. The graph on page 26 and 27 in particular seems to closely resemble a magical square. It also heavily involves cryptography, a common feature in both the occult and espionage. In fact, it seems to be a major reoccurring theme through a lot of these orgs. They really want people to learn cryptography for various reasons. Okay, so much for the Taurus Guide. The other major source of information regarding the game and still widely available to us is the initial video for This Is My Milwaukee Himself, directed by Thomas Bender and written by Bender and Bakila. Despite the title, the footage was clearly shot in NYC, one of the many oddities surrounding the nearly 11-minute film. In what appears to be a vid to promote tourism in Milwaukee, Voltaire is name-dropped again. Milwaukee's vibrant art scene and job markets are also referenced before the British narrator assures us that decontamination has been a success. This is before he notes that having sex with things other than human is a distinct possibility in Milwaukee as well. Uh, Tom Bender himself appears to appear in a brief cameo in this section, along with a reference to the prior work uh, he did with Bikia Hupistan. It's also a reference to Man's Best Friend, which always makes me think of the Best Friends Animal Society, which of course is uh, the successor to the dreaded process church, the final judgment. This leads to one of the most intriguing aspects of the video, a little company called Black Star. Black Star is a semi-private corporation that emerged in 2003, keep that in mind kids, from a merger with another company. They operate a major branch out of Milwaukee. Initially, it was a godsend of the city. It created a wave of jobs and money for the city. Black Star also started advising the government. But then they started a certain project that we'll get to in a moment that more or less destroyed Milwaukee. But Black Star then set about rebuilding the city while hiding their influence via the Milwaukee Tourism Commission, which they basically run. This is going to be really interesting, guys. Trust me. So what is this Black Star thing? Well, it seems to be involved in a lot of bizarre research, but one is also reminded that private intelligence companies like Black Cube, and of course there's David Bowie's Black Star album, which came out about, I think, eight years after This Is My Milwaukee released, 
was released, but both used the same five-pointed black star. And in both cases, this seems to be a reference to Saturn, which brings the chaos when uh, he is let out of his prison. It is also in keeping with the Discordian motif, who are very closely connected to Saturn and Set, which has been running through this whole arg. Be assured, it, it's only going to get weirder from here. So next, we're at the downtown scene. Words suddenly appear across a company, up across a couple who are uh, dancing the night away about an embroider. In the uh, Reasonable Haven Guide, there was also a reference to an M collapse. This is most likely a reference to the M theory. This is a physics concept that is a variation on string theory. This plays into concepts of different dimensions. As humans, we mainly experience the first three dimensions of space plus the fourth dimension of time. String theory proposes an additional six dimensions beyond this. M theory goes even further and suggests that there may be 11 dimensions in total. In other words, there seems to be a reference to a CERN-like experiment that reached other dimensions. <laughs> it's also interesting to note that the M rotor spill appears over the images of characters Mike and Sally, who appear in a later arg put out by Becca and Bender as well. It's also interesting to note that both of these characters are data scientists. This will be very relevant later on, kids. From there, Milwaukee residents are reminded to never leave without a rebreather and a flare gun. They're also given instructions on what to do if pursued by godseed particles, which I'm guessing is probably nanotech. Next comes the pitch to ex-residents to return. There are plenty of dark dollar stipends available for those who are willing to relocate. As the video winds down, it starts getting into the real nitty-gritty. It was decided that humanity needed a new god, and Milwaukee was chosen to be the incubator for this project. And Blackstar would create it. But something went wrong, leading to the total destruction of the city. It's now being rebuilt with God's seed be, being buried in a sacropolis beneath Sector 21 in the Canning District. There's that number again, Sector 21, or 21. It's gone now, aside from the particle fragments, which again, I'm guessing it's nanotech, that occasionally chase residents around. Supposedly, it was buried with a treasure, inspiring a series of treasure hunters to try and dig up the tomb. But we're advised against that, because God's seed much like Cthulhu, isn't so much dead as dreaming, awaiting its return. So, what the fuck is Godseed? You don't really find that out until the sequel to uh, This Is My Milwaukee, but it seems pretty clear that the whole concept of Godseed was floating around in various circles before formally being published as a paper in 2014 as to whether or not an AI would be malevolent or benevolent towards humanity. Yes, folks, part of Blackstar's research involved creating a super intelligent AI to effectively manage humanity and become our new god. This appears to be a distinctly malevolent, though, towards humanity. Indeed, this might have been why it started an assault on uh, 
the different dimensions via the M theory and so forth. I know that this seems absolutely incredible, but over a decade later, you've got people like Gordy Ross claiming that quantum computing was coming from an intelligence in another dimension. And of course, there's the whole concept of extended intelligence that's gaining a lot of traction. And this is all the way back in 2008. Reaching? I don't think so. Thomas Bender is a trained physicist from Princeton, after all. These are the kind of rarefied circles where these problems would be discussed before being released to the broader public. But why is this stuff coming up in an ARG centered around Milwaukee? That's a great question. And one that requires a bit of a deeper dive into who this Thomas Bender guy really is. While it's never been confirmed beyond a shadow of a doubt, many fans came to believe that the Tom Bender was the same one who served as the vice president of production development uh, for a company called Howcast during its early years. And if this is the case, it would be most intriguing. Howcast is an educational technology website. And if you heard my EdTech episode, uh, that should set off some red flags, that specializes in instructional videos. Frequently, humor, claymation, and animation are employed. This is very much in keeping with Bender's work with Syndicon and further Howcast Tom Bender, and this is my Milwaukee's Tom Bender, seem to bear a remarkable similar appearance from pictures that I've found. But trust me, there's a good reason to cover up this connection. <laughs> so how did Howcast come about? You may be asking, and why is it relevant to all of this? Well, here's where things get really interesting. It was basically set up entirely by former Google employees with some really interesting backgrounds. For our purposes here, though, the main one of interest to Howcast founding is its founder and longtime CEO, Jason Liebman. Liebman actually started out working with Credit, with, uh, Credit Susie as an investment banker before moving on to the company called Applied Semantics. This company was eventually acquired by Google wait for it, 2003, the same year the Black Star supposedly merged with another company. And what did Applied Semantics do, you may ask? Well, it basically created Google AdSense. Google had its own competing program, which I think was Google Word, so it essentially bought out Applied Semantics in one of the largest and most important mergers and launched AdSense out of the two. Now, for those of you unaware, AdSense was the first major step towards predictive modeling and behavior surplus that would eventually give rise to outfits like Cambridge Analytica. In this case, it was targeted advertisements based upon your browsing history. After the merger, Liebman stays on at Google for the next four years where he works with YouTube, Google Video, and AdSense team. He then goes on to found Howcast in late 2007, where he continues to work with Google, the U.S. Department of State, and Facebook, another leading uh, proponent in predictive modeling. And he also partners with another Google employee on a, on a very interesting project. As for this partner, 
His name is Jared Cohen, and he's very closely tied to longtime Google CEO Eric Schmidt. In fact, the two co-wrote a book together in 2003 called The New Digital Age. In fact, Cohen has a really interesting CV. Naturally, he graduated from Stanford University. He was also a Rhodes Scholar and a future member of the Council on Foreign Relations, but I'm getting ahead of myself. After completing Stanford, he was then brought into the U.S. State Department during the Bush two years under Condoleezza Rice. He apparently did such a good job that Hillary Clinton kept him on after Obama took over the White House in 2009. During the Arab Springs, he worked with Twitter to try and stir up opposition in Iran. He was also an advisor to Richard Holbrook, Hillary's you know, main political mentor in foreign affairs, and he was also one of the first individuals to embrace social media. At one point, he actually had the third most followers on all of Twitter, which is all quite interesting in light of how this is my Milwaukee used social media all the way back in 2008, before it really caught on. But back to Cohen. He then left the State Department in 2010 and went to work for Google. It was then that he set up Jigsaw, a hybrid think tank hyphen technology incubator aimed at internet technology to solve foreign policy problems. He co-founded this company with Kurt Schmidt. Under Obama, Jigsaw ran multiple projects. It ran polling for the U.S. government in war-torn Somalia, developed tools to track the global arms trade, and worked with a startup founded by the State Department to help people in Iran and China avoid state censorship online. That kind of thing. It also built a platform to combat online terrorism recruitment. Google calls it the redirect method. It was all part of Cohen's ideal to use the internet to wage what he dubbed digital counterinsurgency. <laughs> Later, Jigsaw was brought in to help the State Department overthrow the Syrian government. At this point, some believe that Google, via outfits like Jigsaw, were doing things that the CIA couldn't even do at that point. Basically, Cohen is a pivotal figure in crafting what has variously been described as surveillance capitalism or techno-feudalism. Take your pick. But to return to Tom Bender's boss at Howcast, Jason Liebman, back in 2008... When Cohen was still an employee of the State Department, he and Liebman co-founded an outfit called Alliance for Youth Movements, which was later shortened simply to movements.org. Columbia University, the State Department, and Google were also involved in setting up this outfit. The group held its first Alliance for Youth Submit in 2008. Whoopi Goldberg was there, along with representatives from Facebook. But for our purposes here, the most interesting representatives were from the Obama campaign's new media team. This is the same exact new media team that Brittany Kayser worked as an intern for from 2007 to 2009. It would be really interesting to know she attended this summit. It would be especially interesting to know given her later work with Cambridge Analytica. But then again, it probably is why this organization seems to have largely been more bun since 2012. They probably don't want people looking too hard at these connections. I'll try to explain as to why that would be. So 
Here's this Tom Bender guy working at Howcast with Liebman. But Howcast is also involved with this Alliance for Youth movement thing, along with the uber spooky Jared Cohen. Is this really the same Tom Bender behind This Is My Milwaukee? I think so. A reoccurring theme throughout all of this is how social media can be used to get people out into the streets and to build movements up. This is my Milwaukee may have been an early test run to see how this technology using an ARG format, which is also something that uh, the CIA's think tank would start studying around this time as well, could be used to build larger movements, which seems to begin in earnest the following year for the same people. It's also interesting that later on around 2012, that's when you start seeing stuff like the game 23 and Cicada 3301 also pop up. It also seems part of uh, Cohen's digital counterinsurgency. And certainly there are a lot of long-standing allegations that Cambridge possibly also used ARGs as part of its efforts as well. <coughs> QAnon. <clears throat> really, the two competing forces uh, in these stakes are Peter Thiel via Palantir and Facebook and the neoliberal faction around Schmidt and Google. While everybody loves to bash Teal now, as they should, it's important to remember that it was actually Google and the Obama people that started this insanity. Cambridge simply took the things to the next level via its silent partner, Palantir. Still, this is my Milwaukee's marvel. It was launched in 2008, right as the crisis of capitalism is finally upon us. This red would later be picked up in its sequel, which I will do uh, hopefully another thing on here in the near future. It hints at all the dark stuff Google was up to at the time. And I suspect Black Star is a stand-in for Google, which is uh, really interesting in light of some of the Saturnine uh, currents that have been connected to these uh, AIs and things like that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, this is especially true when it comes to the whole thing with sentient AI. And of course, now we've got Discordian ex-Google employees coming out and saying that they really have developed such a thing. In fact, the AI thing is big in uh, This Is My Milwaukee sequel as well. And of course, there are Discordian args uh, linked to QAnon, where sentient AIs are also a big part of in fact, it's rather eerie how much of this, uh, this is my Milwaukee, predicted all this all the way back in 2008, and now this stuff is really coming to pass. We've had the crisis of capitalism. Uh, we seem to be having the Mandela effect in part because, who knows, maybe these AIs are preaching different realities and all this other kinds of good stuff. I don't know, folks, but this is insanely weird. And certainly it seems that this is my Milwaukee was a pivotal stepping stone in some of these later things like Cicada 3301 and QAnon. But this was the Google people who were behind this one. And uh, they've got their own blue QAnon thing currently playing out now, uh, the aftermath. But again, it's important to remember, you know, you've got these two competing sides at war with each other and these different things. There's a lot more to this that I would uh, love to say because I've uh, actually witnessed this firsthand. <laughs> but I can't. I will be diplomatic about that. 
I assure you this is very much uh, an ongoing thing and that this is a very important topic. You'll see why when I get into the uh, the sequel here. But in the intern, um, yeah, kids, definitely look more into this whole alliance of youth movement and some of these people like Cohen and Liebman and Thomas Bender because they were involved in some really dark stuff all the way back in 08, and they were dropping a lot of hints about it. And things have advanced dramatically since then. Okay. It may not seem important, but this stuff is incredibly important, even if it is really far out there. And on that note, I'm going to sign off for now. As always, again, I want to thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this uh, little discussion here. And on that note, I say as always to you guys, good night and good luck to you all. Come on, baby, pick me up. Out here in my wiki up. Sick and tired of fucking up. Sick and tired of pushing luck. Swallow what I'm about to spit Don't got 86 from the copper queen for singing this I took it to the go J Blu-ray, my people there, they feeling me Down low, skin low, more characters than Stephen King Said I'm just working at the quarry, y'all I ain't in a hurry, y'all Come on, baby, pick me up Out here in my wiki, up Stuck down in this stick Hut is hot as hell, I tell you what Put it up and knock it down Moving on that big around Come on mama, jump down Turn around, do it for me Stick it out, say one, two, three, Geronimo Jump baby, we gotta go Hands tied, blindfold Jump into that battle zone I said it's time to get the fuck out Cause they done let the wolves out They're coming with that heat Mama shooting up the street Mama, fight or flight adrenaline You feel that little tingle in your feet Mama, no retreat Mobilize your whole fleet Hit the street Tell me that you good for it You want peace, go to war for it Say one, two, three, Geronimo Jump, baby, we gotta go Screaming with me Scream, Geronimo Can't patrol it off from Berlin to the Great Wall The greatest walls are bound to fall So legalize it, Vato About a Genghis Chapo Come on, legalize it No need to advertise it The weed cures the cancer Everybody even caught realized If a farmer don't make cash money When we rock that stash, honey Best believe they sooner take it Out your ass, Sunday. Marie
Toledo, not the George you're looking for. See you all on payday, see you at the Safeway. Bisbee lives on crazy checks, BP on that fast pay. I sing my hooly blues, y'all. I don't make the rules, y'all. Just paying my dues, y'all. But I'm just saying, sorry, hippies. If Great White Father don't make payroll, forget about your maypole. It's just the one thing that ain't too clear. I said people always bitching about the government here. But that war administration's our whole civilization. What?